Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is a member of the Rays Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, serves as the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's got a master's degree in social gerontology and nearly 30 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving. Carol also was one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol, we often uh, dance around the topic of hospice and hospice care. And I know that uh, from your experience, there's still a lot of disinformation out there about what hospice is and what it isn't. Well, you know, the tragedy is when people find out about hospice too late. Uh, Hospice is something we want people to know up front. Um, And then we also want to know what the parameters are, what they what will happen under hospice and what won't happen happen. And so I can't think of a better person than Candace Ramos joining us today from VTOS to talk about hospice. Well let me take a moment and introduce Candace. She's a senior director of marketing and development at VTOS Healthcare, America's leading provider of end of life care. They work in cooperation with hospitals, physicians, nursing homes, assisted living communities, and more. And Candace, we are delighted to have you with us. She's a native of Alice, Texas, and has been in the San Antonio area for some 13 years. She has twin six-year-old boys and a two-year-old son with her husband, Xavier. And uh, we're delighted to have you with us, Candace. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today with the both of you. What attracted you into hospice? You're a young woman. Uh, you could work in any field you wanted. Why hospice? So I say one thing about me is that I love helping people and I love helping people with my heart, not necessarily with my hands. And when you think of hospice, I I know there are a number of myths that are associated with it. And let me kick out one. When the doctor says, well, you know, it's time for your loved one to go into hospice. The first thing you think of, well, she's dying. She's going to die now. That's that's exactly right. The first time we hear hospice, we automatically think death and we think that death is very, very near, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But the great thing about it is no one actually knows when someone is going to die because we don't have that crystal ball. All that it really means um, and what that healthcare provider is trying to say is that the patient may be terminally ill. Well, and, and- Go ahead, Carol. No, I was that. So we we you know the death rate uh, actually globally is a hundred percent. All of us ultimately yeah. will. Um, and so you know, in your line of work, how do you you know confront or or comfort those that think of this as something that is um, not natural that we shouldn't talk about it? So usually what we like to do is to ask questions to, to gauge the under, their understanding of hospice. And a lot of the times, many patients and families have had previous experience with loved ones with hospice where their loved one died fairly quickly. 
um, or, you know, their experience with um, some of the, sorry, you know, some, you know, like using morphine, um, they had a bad experience with them and they felt that that kind of hindered their experience of hospice or their loved one making them die very quickly. But ultimately, we know that it actually, when we go over that and dispel that myth with them, that it actually made them comfortable and okay with, with moving on. Um, and so we like to meet patients and their families where they are and gather their understanding rather than pushing our agenda of what hospice is onto them. Um, because everyone will benefit from hospice, but everyone could benefit from hospice in a different way. And that brings up another one of the myths that hospice is a place people go to and never come back. Exactly. So a lot of the times when patients have received hospice or the experience of hospice, it has been in a hospital setting. So when their loved one has been in the hospital, in the ICU, um, hospice more than likely was called when they transitioned the patient to comfort care measures. Hospice actually is a service that's provided anywhere that a patient calls home. It's not a place. It's not a place. It's a service. And I'm thinking back in my mother's own case, who passed away a few years ago, she was in hospice. And my brother called me one day and I said, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is mom's doing well, uh, which is really good news, but they threw her out of hospice. We like to use the term graduated from hospice. <laughs> we like to call that a, a need for celebration. Exactly. And that is good news. Definitely, because ultimately what that means, not necessarily that the patient got better, but the patient received the right type of care that they needed to have a more comfortable quality of life. And maybe um, what happened was the symptoms were under control or the symptoms were only temporary, not at that time warranting the need, no longer warranting the need for hospice services. We're going to come right back to this and talk a little bit about whether hospice means just giving up. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're talking with Candace Ramos, who's with Vitas Hospice, and we're talking about dealing with hospice and the myths surrounding hospice right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Uh, so one of the issues that I know a lot of people think of when you hear the word hospice, you're giving up. You're just sentencing your loved one to die. That's that's usually what people think is that you're giving up. There's, you know, we're, we're saying that we no longer want to go to the hospital. We know there's nothing that can be fixed, but ultimately we look at hospice as a way of giving back hope to the patient and their family. Um, and to really focus on the time that's left and how important that time is um, to allow for opportunity of forgiveness or seeing a loved one that you maybe haven't seen in a long time or attending a wedding or a, a graduation that the grandparent or the mother or father really wanted to attend um, and making it comfortable for them to achieve that goal. Uh, well, how do you pay for hospice? I'm sorry, Carol. No, go ahead. So hospice is 100% covered by Medicare. It's also covered by Medicaid services, if that's in, in your state as well as some commercial insurance plans also include hospice in their benefit. Carol? Um, yeah, so with hospice, um, you were talking about the coverage 
what what does hospice typically include and why might it be to my uh, loved one's benefit to sign up sooner rather than, I don't know what the national average is, but it's some incredibly short time. People enroll with days, just days, um, as opposed to when they're eligible for hospice, they, they have a diagnosis, um, they do have a terminal illness, but what, what benefits are there to hospice? So that is a great question. Hospice covers visits by a, a VTOS clinical team, which includes a physician, an RN, it includes a home health aide, it includes a, a social worker and a chaplain. Medications related to the hospice diagnosis, so all the medications that the patient needs to feel comfortable or in the event that we know that they're going to have a symptom that needs to be controlled, we can proactively provide those medications as well as home medical equipment and supplies. So a hospital bed, for example. Yes, hospital bed, a wheelchair, a shower chair, chuck pads, um, diapers if needed, some kind of feeding if they were unable to, to eat or swallow or they had difficulties eating or swallowing on their own. And then that you talked about medications and pain management can be a huge part of hospice. Uh, and with the hospice benefit allows access to some pain management medications that would be appropriate for someone who say has cancer. Um, that would not otherwise be available to someone because they're, you know, they're pretty, they're very strong medications. Yes, definitely. And the hospice trained physicians are trained in providing that med that medication to those specific diagnoses or those specific patients that are needing it, and ensuring that the method they're taking is the best route that benefits the patient the most to make them comfortable, not to expedite death. And when you think of hospice, uh, I know many people feel that it really is nothing more than bringing in a healthcare aide to hold the hand of your loved one. So handholding can be important, right? Sometimes all we need is someone to hold our hand, but that may not be what every hospice patient needs. Um, handholding can be very comforting, and it may just allow the patient to know that someone is there with them at that time, that they may need that additional comfort. But ultimately, hospice is a gamut of things, which is why, you know, Carol, earlier you talked about why it's important to access hospice earlier. When we're closer to the end of life, it's we're working rapidly as if we're in an ER situation to ensure that that patient is most comfortable at that time as they are as they are transitioning to their next life, right? Um, but when we access hospice earlier, we are providing proactive care and resources able to help the, you know, whether it's the wife or the mother or the father have resources in place to ensure that once the patient does pass away, that they have what they need in order to continue to move forward and, and care for their families, um, providing food or meals if needed. Um, accessing benefits that they may not have been aware of. So VA benefits is one of them. Um, getting recommendations for caregiving services that could make their life as a caregiver at home a lot easier as well. Um, so there's a lot of psychosocials aspect, um, you know, offering the chaplain to come in and pray. Sometimes praying really is comforting to patients. Um, so while you know, having that aid come in and do the bathing or helping with the activities of daily living could be important for someone, let's say, that 
It's an elderly couple that has difficulties, the wife giving a bath to her husband. That helps, you know, what 90-year-old wife can lift up her 90-year-old husband to be able to bathe appropriately for his need or ensure that they're positioning him so that he's not um, experiencing any wounds. So having that aid is an additional support to the caregiver that's providing that main care and really allows for that wife to be a wife at that time and we're gonna to come. be a person. We're going to continue the conversation in a moment. Uh, we're talking with uh, Candace Ramos. She is with Vitas Healthcare, America's leading provider of end-of-life care. Our co-host, Carol Zernil, is with us. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking about hospice, what it is, what it isn't, and why it can play an important role in the life of your loved one. This is Caregiver SOS On Air. It's just around the corner, and I'm talking about the Caregiver Summit. Caregiver Wellness, Mind, Body, and Spirit, coming your way on November 10th and 17th this year. The summit offers attendees a virtual or in-person attendance. All of that's available at no cost. Folks can join us and register for the summit at wellmedcharitablefoundation.org slash summit or call 866-390-6491. 866-390-6491. Join us for the annual Caregiver Summit. Hello. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Candice Ramos. She is with Vitas Healthcare, a company that provides hospice services, and we've been talking about the various myths surrounding hospice. On a positive note, something, Candice, I I didn't know until I I read some of the background you provided, Uh, hospice provides additional care for survivors after the patient dies. What is that all about? So hospice offers bereavement services once a patient has passed away, and that could be to any family members of the patients or even sometimes to patients that didn't get the the chance to access the hospice benefit. Um, It's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being able to support that loved one in their time of grief. You know, they need someone to call and check up on them. They need someone um, to provide a support group option or to a to provide resources um, when it comes to younger children that may need some bereavement services. Um, All of those are things that we offer to loved ones of patients that have been on VTOS or just throughout the nation. And then another thing that we offer as part of our bereavement services is memory bears. So we have volunteer sewers that create memory bears um, out of items that maybe the patient wore. So uniforms or pajamas or you know, a, a favorite clothing item. And we will create, the, the volunteers will create these bears and we will deliver them to the families. Um, and just, it's something tangible that they can hold on to when their loved one is no longer here and be able to hug, be able to pass on um, from loved one to loved one. Um, and the great thing about it is, even though we, our volunteers have the bears and are using those materials, they still smell like the loved one that wore that item or has that same smell. Um, of when they were still with us. So it's an exact uh, a stuffed teddy bear uh, covered with something that had been uh, the deceased property, like a coat, a shirt, what have you. Exactly. Yes. What a neat idea. 
Yes, it's great. Everyone loves hugging a teddy bear, right? In a time of need. And if it smells like Papa, it's even better. Exactly. It brings back those great memories and those times of sitting together and being in the same room together. Don't wash my teddy bear. Absolutely <laughs> not. Well, Candace, <laughs> let me ask you a question. You know, a lot of times we, under caregiver SOS, caregivers are looking for respite. And when you have somebody that has a terminal illness, is respite included in hospice or is that really a separate service? So respite is included with hospice services and it's five Medicare days are covered um, based on the plan of care or the patient need. So um, when a caregiver or caregiver need, when a caregiver um, finds the need for respite services, it could be because they have an illness that may have come up for them and they need to take care of themselves or they may have a vacation or trip coming up where they wanted to go see their grandchild's wedding. we are able to send our patients to a Medicare certified facility and we would cover five days of respite services under the Medicare hospice benefit. So that's only under Medicare. If I'm under a commercial plan, I might not have a respite benefit. Respite is still part of hospice services. Okay. So it's not Medicare reliant. Yes. Interesting. And as you talk about uh, the care that's given, uh, one of the myths about hospice is all medication is stopped, but I hear you say comfort medications are continued. Correct. What does that mean? So every patient could have a different need for medications based on their diagnosis or depending upon their um, additional diagnosis that may be attributing to their terminal illness. So we, when we go out and evaluate a patient, we are going to review all the medications that they're currently on and see if there's actually a need and that those medications are truly providing comfort or if that medication may be providing more symptoms or not be, or there may be another medication that we could provide that could do a better job of managing the patient than the medication they're currently on. But the goal is not to make them better. Correct. The goal is not to make anyone better. That's what we've identified with the patient deciding to move forward with hospice and two physicians agreeing that. The idea is for patients to be comfortable. And another thing that comes up quite often is we think hospice and we think, oh, well, if my loved one was to experience an infection, such as a urinary tract infection or pneumonia, that hospice would not treat the infection. And that is also a huge myth um, that that is widely talked about in the community. And the difference between hospice and palliative care. The difference between hospice and palliative care is hospice is palliative care, but palliative care is not hospice. So I'm going to say that first. But the second thing that I'm going to say is the main difference is continuing to seek aggressive treatment or not choosing to not continue to receive aggressive aggressive treatment or no aggressive treatment being available to that person. Explain that. So, so if my if my loved one is put into palliative care. Uh, It's not hospice. Correct. Because we're still continuing to seek aggressive treatment. But you can choose not to. You can choose not to. It is your choice as a patient to decide what kind of care you want to receive. So as a patient, if you decide that you no longer want to go to the hospital, you no longer want to be poked and prodded, you no longer want to receive chemo, that's not the decision of anyone else's but your own. 
while we, of course, want to listen to our family's needs and wants, ultimately, um, when it comes to healthcare decisions, you as a person make the decisions for yourself unless you no longer are able to do so and have a medical power of attorney in place. But it sure argues for having a definitive end-of-life document uh, because at some point where you may not have the cognitive ability to say, I don't want that, you can spell it out in a document, can you not? Correct. So that would be with an advanced care plan um, or also an out-of-hospital do not resuscitate. So all of those things you can decide while you're still able to speak and make your wishes known for yourself. Um, And then you can also have that conversation. And and I recommend you have that conversation with your family and your loved ones on who you choose to be your um, medical power of attorney or your healthcare decision maker if you can no longer speak and make them aware of what your wishes are and make sure also that they are able to follow your wishes. And then one of the other myths that I have heard is that, well, you go into hospice, they're not going to feed her or provide her hydration. They're just going to let her waste away. So that definitely is something that is talked about quite often. And a lot of times the types of patients that this comes up with is Alzheimer's and dementia patients. So if the nutrition and hydration goes along with the goals of care of the patient, then we are not going to prevent the patient or withhold nutrition or hydration if that is something that is benefiting the patient. Well, so we, I can still have a corned beef sandwich. Yes, we do, rec- <laughs> we do recommend that most patients do oral assistive feeding, which is careful, slow spoon feeding. Because ultimately, we want to be able to taste and chew it um, to really get that effect of that roast beef sandwich. You can tell me I'm getting a roast beef sandwich, but... Um, feeding me through a tube is not going to give that same feeling as if I was truly just chewing a small bite of it. And yet withholding food for, for example, a a dementia patient or an Alzheimer's patient, uh, is is that not a cruel way for them to pass? So that withholding food is not Ultimately, they do they lose their sense or their need of hunger and thirst as you're in, spending more time in bed. And it could actually be more harmful than doing good when a patient is is at end of life. I think a lot of people do, do confuse the fact that people who are dying or in the stages of dying no longer need to eat and, and the body doesn't want them to eat and it will aggravate the condition. Uh, and, and as you think about all of this, Candace, and I know you deal with this almost every day, uh, in the last couple minutes we have, what are some of the major questions people ask you about hospice? So many of the questions that we receive about hospice, I would say number one would be, how is it covered? So who pays for it, right? And and we, we've reviewed that, but because it's Hospice offers so many things that we can't believe that there's such an awesome benefit that would provide us with so many services and resources when so far we've been having to get these services from about five different companies, right? So hospice hospice takes on that challenge to provide all that care. The second thing is, you know, when it comes to giving up um, and, you know, that my loved one is dying very quickly, Um, And it's just really reassuring that we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know when someone is going to pass away. 
Um, but ultimately, we want to join the journey along with them and ensure that they have the best quality of life for however many days, minutes, hours they might have. And, and for those who enter hospice uh, in the home, uh, they, they don't have to be in a bedroom. You can set up hospice if you're a second story bedroom in a dining room or a living room, wherever it suits the patient's needs. Exactly. Wherever is most comfortable for the patient and wherever there is room to provide that level of care that is needed. It doesn't have to be in a bedroom, um, but it does have to be, and it could be in an open area where it's easier for the family to come and visit. It's easy for them to not have to be moved around so many times to be able to access and, and be with the loved ones that they want to be with and to feel that sense of closeness rather than being um, away in a room that no one can get to easily. Final thought, Carol. Um, you know, for, for people who are caregivers, don't be afraid of hospice, investigate hospice, talk to a hospice provider, talk to more than one hospice provider uh, to get that fit that you want for your family. Well, Candace Ramos, we really thank you for being with us from Vitas Healthcare, one of the nation's largest hospice providers. For Carol Zerniel, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.